Welcome back to the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Strength and Speed owner and Mudgear Battle of the Lions Pro Evan Preparis. Got a guest with me online. Before we get to him, though, a quick word from this episode's sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Hypor. We're recording this on Memorial Day, so a lot of you are out there doing Memorial Day Murph, the uh, CrossFit workout inspired by Medal of Honor winner uh, Murphy. If you're looking for a comfortable weight vest, one Hyperware has essentially workout vests that have these like tiny plates, make it super form-fitting. I highly recommend that. But if you want to go with the more tactical look, they just came out with their flexible, adjustable weight plates. So essentially it is a, as a plate you put into a normal plate carrier, like your, um, you know, the military would use for training or for combat. And then you can open the bottom and essentially they have like at least half pound increments that you can take out. So if you want to do it as recommended with 20 pounds, you leave all of them in. And if you want to, uh, if you're still building yourself up, you can take them out and they slide out from the bottom. So it's super easy. So you don't have to take out the whole weight plate. So uh, there's a review on them up on them about on uh, Mudrun Guide. So you can head over to Mudrun Guide. They're still on the landing page as of now. And if you want to save some money on Hyperware, Hype15 uh, gives you 15% off. All right, let's get to today's guest. Joining me, I have uh, Cody James Milney. Cody, say hi. Hey, guys. How's it going? Yeah, so Cody uh, has been racing OCR for a long time, since 2013. Um, participated in a kind of smattering events here and there. He's been to Iceland for the Spartan Ultra World Championships, did 50 miles there. Um, did World Service Motor 2016 to 2019. Holy Grail finisher 2017 through 2019. Uh, finished third at the um, Toughest Motor East, the Poconos, two-man team. Uh, and then uh, numerous top 10 finishes in the age group uh, in Spartan races. Finished Fit Challenge Ultra uh, 2018, 2019, 21, 22. And qualified for pro every OCR WC since 2018. He's also done some social media for Spartan walking the course and doing photography from, from them uh, from 2018 to 2020. So again, been in the sport for a while, Cody. Good to get you on. I'm uh, excited to hear some of your opinions on things. Yeah, man. I've been I've been around a little bit, so <laughs> yeah. So also from Long Island. So um, shout out there, my home my home base there. Yeah, Strong Island. That's right. And uh, so today we're going to be talking about the Unholy Grail, which Cody did uh, as recording this about two weeks ago. And we're going to be talking about a little bit about obstacle athletics and gym on Long Island. And then uh, just kind of what else is going on in the OCR world. So let's start off with the Unholy Grail. So for those who are not tracking, tell us what the Unholy Grail is. The Unholy Grail. I'm actually not 100% sure how it even became about. I think I heard about it at World Selfish Mudder. It was something uh, some of the uh, European uh, contestants kind of came up with on their own. And it was just to do every event in one weekend, but it has to include the toughest, the overnight. So I think originally it was the eight hour and then it went to the 12 hour. Um, for this, this is like, I guess, the first year that they're recognizing it with like official awards. Uh, Philly was the one and only event you could do it at, uh, this year. So they had minimums set. Obviously, if you want to be an overachiever, you can go ahead and do it, but like it got real hot out during the day. So it became very difficult. <laughs> um, so when you say every event, describe what every event is. In so every event Saturday, you had to run the infinity for Tough Mudder. So that's the first wave of the day. And then you have to do. You can do it all day, as many laps as you can get in. So it's either the 15K course or the 5K course, but you have to do the 15K course first. So once you finish the 15K, then you can kind of choose your poison. You can do another 15K lap or you can do 5K laps and you can do as many as you can until the course for the day closes, which I think might have been like 345. 
Okay. So like almost, almost say like eight hours. Yeah. Um, and then there's different, um, obviously mileage awards and stuff like that. Different headband. I think they gave you clips for the headband, like little metal clips based on different miles you got to. But uh, the minimum for that was 20K. So you had to do a 15 and a five. Um, and like I said, it got to like 95, high 90s <laughs> during the day. Yeah, that's brutal. And we were, I was talking about, we were talking just before we started recording, but you know, like, I feel like the first hot day of the year, you know, the first hot race of the season is always a disaster because like my body's not acclimated. Um, and it was pretty cool leading up to Philly. So when we were coming to Philly weekend, I was like, oh, this is not going to go well for people. So. And you were correct. It did not go well for a lot of people. <laughs> Um, I think they had, if I have to guess, maybe 40 or so people going for the unholy grail. I feel like maybe it doesn't finish it. Really? That few? Yeah. Uh, well, I think the hard part, like I said, came from the breaks in between events. So and anyway, so you had to do the 20K at infinity. Then you had to do the toughest, which is the overnight, the 12 hour from eight at night to eight in the morning. And you had to hit a minimum of 40K on that event. Um, and then the following morning you had to do is you had to start the first wave Sunday. You had to do a 10 K and then a five K and you could do them either or a five K or a 10 K. Mm. Um, but they have a course, they were shutting the starting line down, I think at noon. So it made sense to do the five K first, just so you could get right back out on course for the 10 K. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. Good strategy. Yeah. yeah. That- well, that's what it came down to. It came down to who had the best strategy. So, like, I was like, let me hit all the minimums of everything, and I got as much rest in between events. I think I slept for, like, three hours between Infinity and Toughest, and then after Toughest, I hit my 40K probably right before midnight, and then I went to sleep for a few hours and then woke up because then, like, I'm by myself, so I had to break down the tents and everything because everything had to be broken down after Toughest, and then you had to be pretty much ready to go right away for the 5K and 10K. Nice. So tell me about um, goals coming into the event and then kind of how that played out. Uh, So my original goal was I wanted to do just 100K for the weekend, which did not plan out because of how (laughs) high it was. (laughs) Um, So then like because it was so hot in the beginning part, I was like, let me coast this first 20K. I'm going to make sure I'm going to stay well hydrated for it. I like hit every water station. I brought like extra snacks on me, which I wouldn't usually do. So I made sure I was constantly eating and just downing water and like electrolytes, keeping my body like well fueled. Um, and then like part of the, uh, I think what the hardest part of the whole weekend was like being ready for every race. It's not like when I got there, like I could have one area, like all my stuff is right there. Like they wouldn't let us set up for toughest if you were doing the unholy grail. So you had to do infinity and then like you had to like clear out and then come back with all your stuff afterwards. So like with the heat and everything, like if you blew your load, like at infinity, like you're going to have a hard time starting toughest. <laughs> yeah. And for those who weren't at the venue, the walk to the car was, I mean, it had to be over a half mile. Like it was a far walk and it was like up a hill and then down a hill. So you end yeah. that and it's in the sun. So um, with the largest elevation gain on the course up that one hill <laughs> yeah, where yeah. You park. and uh yeah and there was not a lot of flat part in the course i mean it was really hilly you were either going up or down so yeah i felt i felt like we were always climbing uh, I, I only ran the toughest that weekend um i felt like we were always climbing in the areas that were flat you know there was a couple of flat areas but they were 
they were super muddy. Like there was that section right around mile, I don't know, it was like five or so. And it was just yeah. a, it was just a complete mess. And the the first lap we went through there, I was like, oh, this is not too bad. Just kind of hopping between plants. And then by lap two, it was like a completely different course. It well, was everything so was muddy. beat down and it was so wet. And it was like right on that section. That was also where it felt like someone opened the fridge door. There was like a cold breeze that came right through that one area. Yeah. Philly's known for that. I feel like every time I run Philly, every time you get into like the low ground, the temperature, like there's a noticeable temperature shift um, on that, those lower grounds. Of that yeah. Course. It had to be like 10 degrees. Yeah. I, I, but I it, it felt nice like at night. So <laughs> I agree. I was hot. Uh, I run hot and the uh, toughest Philly this weekend was, I think it was, the, they were saying it was the hottest, toughest mutter we've had in the U S I would agree with that. Like I was, I was ready for it again every time it came. Like I was grabbing ice and throwing it down my shirt as I kept going. Yeah, yeah. So you, uh, you did the forty k, went to sleep, got up. Uh, how did, how did you feel lining up on the on the start line of Tough Mudder on Sunday? And then how did the other unholy grail people that were there kind of look? Some people looked beat up, but I think it was more like we just wanted to start because some people were like you know, cut it pretty close with finishing the toughest. And now they have to, they had to wait like, cause it was a delayed start time in the morning. So you had to wait like an extra hour and a half before we started, which kind of sucked. Um, but I felt great. Like I sprinted the 5k. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. I sprinted the 5k. It was me, uh, my other buddy, Pete. And then um, this girl jessica i think her name was was with us okay. uh, the three of us kept kind of like pushing each other's pace for like the sprint so like she would be in the lead and then like slow down a little bit then i would be in the lead slow down then pete would be in the lead and slow down um which worked great because we were all three of us we just need to get this over with so like we separated from the rest of everybody real quick <laughs> and then did you take um, it did you take it easy on the 10k lap or did you uh for the most part, at the 10K, like, once we started, we had kept, like, a pretty good jog the whole time going. And then right after Mudderhorn, like you said, when you got into that swampy area, we all kind of picked up the pace. We were like, all right, we know the course. Like, we could do it with our eyes closed at this point. We've been doing it all night and the day before. Um, <laughs> so we just we picked up where we could. And then, obviously, once you get you hit that little wood section right before the uh, finish line, like, your morale goes, like, through the roof. You're like, ah, oh, home free now. Yeah, I like that wood section. That was fun. It was, uh, you, you know, you spend, those weren't there again, you spend most of the course kind of running through these fields and hitting obstacles. And then the very last section, it was like a very short kind of wooded trail section. It reminded me of parts of the uh, Atlanta Tough Mudder course, kind of yes. into the woods there. Um, and that was, I don't know, I like that because you're zigzagging and you're kind of hopping over tree roots and stuff like that. And then uh, it was real short because you knew the, the ending was right around the corner. Yeah, I definitely, yeah, I love that. I mean, I think what was it? I mean, it was a couple of years ago, but when they did toughest there at Philly, I think they had like rope lighting through that whole thing. It was like awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Forgot about that. So, uh, what would your if someone else is looking to do the? Oh, well, let's talk about swag first. What did you guys get for doing the unholy grail? Oh, it's like this awesome plaque. It's got a skull that's winking with like the tough mother crown on top. It says the unholy grail on it. It's bigger than like any of the ultra belt buckles I ever got. Nice, but uh, yeah, it's it's pretty cool looking. Is it is it a metal actually, or is it just is it just a plaque? It is, is a, a plaque. It is not a metal, so it's oh, not sure. on a lanyard or anything. So it has a place to hang it on the back, like a little metal like uh, O ring on the back. Mm -hmm. But it is it's a, like a wooden plaque with a metal skull on it. Cool. 
Have you heard anything if they're going to do it again next year? Um, I don't know. So actually, funny enough, while I was doing it, because I made a post that I was doing it beforehand. So the Tough Mudder uh, crew was following me around and like interviewing me and taking videos like the whole time to do like an Unholy Grail feature, I guess, to maybe promote it next year. Nice. Which was cool. So uh, yeah, I guess that'll be coming out soon. Good stuff. We'll keep an eye out for that and share it once we see it uh, populate on Tough Mudder social media. Yeah, the, yeah. And, and you're you're right. The I think it started in um, uh, Toughest UK. A bunch of the Legionnaires kind of unofficially started it one year. And, yeah, and then uh, now it became like a real thing, which is kind of cool. That kind of speaks to Tough Mudder and the community in general, where like something starts unofficially and then it, you know, through crowd momentum, it becomes like an actual thing. Which I love. Well, that's why I always tell people, like, people ask me what my favorite events are. I'm like, it's like toughest and world's toughest mother, like almost hands down for me. And mostly because of the community that make it because these people just, everyone loves it so much. And everyone's very encouraging. Uh, a lot of people, everyone's kind of has their own challenges going out for you. Everybody will help you and keep you motivated on pretty much all night. Like, and then it's a competition, but like, it's a friendly competition. Like, I don't really know how to balance the two, but like it works <laughs> there. I don't really, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's, it's a unique event. Cause you have people who are just trying to survive the 12 hours. You have people like you who are going for this external prize on Holy Grail. You have people who are going for mileage PRs and that's all they care about. You have people who are uh, standing at obstacles and helping people all night. You have people that are competing for the podium, people competing for age group podium. So it's like this, very bizarre mix and it's really there's really like a spot for everyone in there and uh yeah yeah and it all meshes really well together yeah yeah (laughs) and then on top of that the um you know the if you go to toughest motor world's toughest and you spend the entire time or the majority of time on the course right so like you cross the finish line after 12 hours you know you're exhausted or 24 hours whatever the course is um, it's a similar experience and granted, maybe that person, someone did half the mileage, someone else did. Uh, but it's a much similar experience versus if you go to OCR world championships, which is also a phenomenal event, right? Um, and yep. John Albin runs the course in an hour and a half and someone else runs at five fifty nine and like beats the cutoff by one minute, right? Like those are two very different experiences. Um, yes. you, but you compare that to two people, regardless of how much time they, distance they covered on a 12 hour tough motor course. Yeah, but I guess that just goes to because there's so many different goals. Like, obviously, OCRWC, your goal is to absolutely just gun it. You're you're competing against everyone there, like either in your age group or you're competing pro. And you see all your competitors almost on course the entire time. Like, I mean, they started out in waves and everything, but you're running at least against the 12 or so guys that are in the wave that you start in, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. So it's, a, it's just a straight up competition race and it's like whatever it takes to beat whoever you're running against. Right. Whereas this is like a very slow burn almost. Um, and like you, as you know, so many things can happen in any kind of like an ultra distance race, like nothing ever very rarely goes hundred percent the plan. <laughs> right. Right. Um, but yeah, I think that's like the main difference between the two, but I think, uh, I think, part of the different event like when you go to ocrwc it's usually all the elite racers it's usually the people that are podiuming to get there and then like i think the pro and age group waves are probably bigger than the regular wave you know Mm -hmm. yeah i agree with that 
Oh. So, um, yeah. So if, if anyone wants to hear a little more about Toughest Mudder, I know um, the Mike Stefano from Obstacle Running Adventures just had the second place finisher on his podcast. Uh, I literally just listened to it on my run. So Matthew Gill from Noob Sanity, I would head over and listen to that. Um, great episode. And I, I do get a couple of shout outs in there. So I also always appreciate Mike, uh, both Mike's <laughs> giving me a shout out over there. Uh, but yeah, yeah, they, yeah. Uh, I, like, I like Mike Stefano a lot. He always does a great job with his podcast. Yeah, yeah, he does. He does. He just he's got COVID, so hope I'm hoping he can make it out to uh, uh, Tough Mudder, New England this coming weekend. We'll see. We'll see if he actually. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So uh, yeah, toughest mudder. Yeah, uh, the so real quick recap for anyone who's following my race. Um, I had quite an adventure getting there. I was supposed to fly into New York and meet with my parents and drive down Friday night. Plane got delayed. Plane got canceled. No problem. They shifted me to a later plane Friday. Plane got delayed. Plane got canceled. All right, now we're in trouble. Uh, essentially, there was thunderstorms on the East Coast, so they nothing was flying in to New York. So uh, I ended up getting a flight directly to Philly, except uh, it wasn't until the next morning. So I slept in the airport Friday night. My bags flew to New York, apparently, without me with them. So my, my dad picked me up from the airport in Philly. My mom picked up my bags from the airport in New York and then drove to Philly to drop them off because I needed all that stuff to race. So, um, you know, I went to bed Friday night on a airport chair, unsure if I was going to be racing 24 hours later. And, um, <laughs> you know, I kind of just went with the flow. And I think um, mostly my experience racing and uh, how comfortable I am, you know, uh, running those distances, I just kind of ro- roll with the punches and control what I could control. And uh, woke up the next day with a pretty terrible night's sleep. But took a nap Saturday afternoon and then uh, went out and did my best. And uh, I was in third for a little bit of the race. At some point, I dropped back to sixth. And then I was sitting in sixth for a while. And then uh, with a couple laps to go, with three laps to go, basically, I uh, turned it on and kind of poured it all out and uh, ended up climbing back into third. So uh, just in time to finish the race. Yeah. Good race for me. With 90K, right? With 90K, yeah. So I, I pushed really hard to get the 90K. And uh, I, for a while, I didn't think I was going to get it, but yeah, it's good. A uh, good event, very good event. Yeah, no, you you look great. Those last uh, coming in right at that finish line. I was just I waking up at that. So. <laughs> I, I did not feel great. Um, I was I was deep in the pain cave. I was just kind of grinding it out. Uh, yeah, you were zoned in. Now you knew what you had to do. You got it done. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk a little bit about. Uh, your day-to-day training, right? Because you train at one of my favorite gyms in the world, Obstacle Athletics in Wild Island, owned by uh, Kevin Mudman LaPlatney. So tell me a little yeah. bit about the gym. Uh, the gym is a what I think is more of a hybrid gym. Uh, it's set up almost like you would think a CrossFit gym. So it is like it's just a big, open, empty warehouse, but it's loaded with ninja rigs, warped walls, every obstacle that a Spartan race pretty much has. Um, he's constantly changing the way the flow goes too. So it's always different ninja gyms. Um, he sets up lots of classes. He has his like obstacle fit class, which is a somewhat of a CrossFit style workout. Um, they do like imams, they do lots of workouts, I guess, for that, like all different stations, but he gears it with obstacles in mind. So, like, he sets up different things, like, and he'll, like, say, like, 10 wall jumps or rope climbs or the Olympus or 
all random things. But I mean, he's got almost everything you can think of in there. As far as uh, fitness equipment's concerned, you can make your own workout. You, he puts up workouts of the days that you can. He'll gear it towards races for you. I mean, Kevin's awesome. He really set that gym up great. He's got a great group of like young ninjas coming through there because he also runs that UNAA out of there. Oh, nice. Yeah. And that competition like goes off the charts. I think he's the regional qualifier too. So when they do the regional to qualify to go to Vegas for that championships for the ninja, that's where they have it at that gym. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. It's such, such a good gym. If anyone watched my OCR America two coverage, the day one is an obstacle athletic. So you get a couple of highlights of the gym there. And I think code, I think you're in the, you're in some of the shots too, if I'm, if I'm not. Yeah. Mistaken. I started off in the morning, in the, in the morning, I guess, running with you and stuff. Doing yeah. some obstacles. It was fun. Yeah. So check out that video again. If you haven't checked it out, I'll drop a link in the show notes. And uh, if you're out in Long Island, you definitely need to head to uh, Deer Park, Long Island and head, hit up obstacle athletics way back when, when it first opened, we did a, a uh, mud run guide live there with Stephanie Bishop. It was like right after she won world's toughest. So got got to do like a little preview of the gym there right when you guys were opening there. So yeah, good stuff. I know. She, she's a local. She's up on the North shore. That's where me and Kevin run on uh, Tuesdays and Fridays after work at Cold Spring Harbor. Cause that's nice. like the only good elevation on Long Island. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Long Island's pretty flat. There's not much. Um, the, the only elevation near Long Island is Staten Island, which is just a garbage dump. So it's not, yes. a, not an actual hill. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Have you seen a random, random question? Have you seen the Saturday Night Live uh, Staten Island song? Yes. It's amazing. Yep. So accurate. <laughs> I'll, drop that in the, I'll drop that in the show notes also. That's pretty funny if you uh, are from that area or familiar with that area. So brought back, brought back some good memories. What else you got coming up uh, in 2022? Uh, so I might do another infinity. Um, and then I'm tossing around doing either Spartan Bethel. I was thinking about joining you up in Stratton. Mm, do it. I don't really have anything really nailed down other than worlds. So everything right now is leading up to worlds because I got my own, own challenges. I got to con- conquer there. So. Gotcha. I'm, I'm going to plug my, my OCR Everest here real quick. So we're going to absolutely. I'm going to put this out basically as soon as we're done recording. But uh, so this coming weekend, June 4th, 5th, Tough Mudder, New England, I'm doing OCR Everest for Infinite Hero Foundation. So I'm going to climb the height of Everest while doing the Tough Mudder course. So during the day when the Tough Mudder course is open, I'll essentially be on the course multi-lapping and same thing on Sunday morning. But at night when it closes, essentially I'm going to be at a to-be-determined location on the mountain uh, running elevation. So if you want to sign up for, if you want to come out and pace me, I please, please do so. Uh, Cody, both you and then any of our listeners. Uh, if you come to pace me during normal Tough Mudder hours, you have to sign up for Tough Mudder and then you, you'll be able to pace me that way. But if you don't want to sign up for Tough Mudder, you can just show up in the evening and then pace me on wherever we are on the course and we'll just BS and walk up and down the side of a mountain together. It will be fun. The way yeah, it will be. The way Ultra OCR is fun. So. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, uh, and then, yeah, I've got, if, if you can't make it up, I've got an Infinite Hero uh, Foundation uh, link set up through GoFundMe. Again, it's the charity version of GoFundMe, so I'm not taking any of that money. That's all going to them. Uh, you can donate there. Every dollar helps. And then if you want to participate in some way but physically can't make it, 
um, but still want to get like a belt buckle. So we've, I've designed these kind of awesome belt buckles uh, for the event. I've only got about 50 of them. So first 49 or so people that sign up uh, will be able to get one. But the, essentially you, ru you run one-tenth the elevation and 28 obstacles kind of on your own. The rules are on my uh, strength and speed page there. And then uh, donate $50 and then we'll send you a buckle. So a couple different ways to participate. And uh, yeah, just come up. It's going to be fun. I got Bobby Ross, the filmmaker, coming up again. He's going to shoot some video. So if you want to be in, in more, uh, more sweet Bobby Ross footage, you, you can do that. <laughs> it's always good stuff. Yeah, it really is. And we've got the uh, side note. Um, we've got the documentary is 100% finished, the Ultra OCR Man documentary. We are just trying to figure out what to do with it at this point. <laughs> um, ideally, something that gives us money back in the, in the long run. Uh, yeah. we'll, we'll see. So it might, it might go out through a, a Tough mutter. Uh, social media it might go out through Amazon Prime. It might go out through a third agency. We're, we're still kind of shopping around trying to figure out what works best here. So That's cool. I'm excited to see that. Yeah, he does a really good job. He does a good job as always. So, yeah. So um, what keeps you – so, you know, you've been involved since 2013 um, and not pretty heavily involved, I'd say. I mean, I'm you know, looking through your bio – um, you do a lot of events and you do a lot of different events. You know, what, what is it that keeps you coming back? Uh, especially as I'm going to add in, especially after COVID, right? Cause I think COVID hit and I think we lost a bunch of people that went and found other hobbies or, uh, you know, I feel like there's a large changeover in personnel through COVID. I know when, well, when COVID hit, like Kevin at obstacle athletics kind of rallied like the whole gym and he kind of set his, he started setting up his own courses, like through local trails and stuff here. So we were always still running. <laughs> nice. Um, that's, that's huge. Cause you, you needed to keep people engaged through that time. Uh, yeah. Kevin killed it with that. He really did. Uh, but what keeps me motivated? I don't know. It's like a, more of a personal challenge. It's always just the feeling of it never being enough. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's pretty much that. Like, I don't like if you come to my house. I bought a new house. There's nothing displayed in here that would say I run obstacle course races. It's <laughs> I have nothing hung up. I have no medals shown. It's literally in a box in my garage. All of it. Yeah, uh, I think you posted a picture of it a couple of days ago. It was just like literally a box. That's, full, one, of, like, that's one of three bins. Like overflowing with medals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have every headband, every whatever penny every anything i we have most of my um most of just like the uh the numbers that i used to give you like the paper ones i got like the old school paper spartan numbers i uh, toss those one i that's the only thing i don't keep i toss those minus i still have my one from uh, north american championships when my team came in second i have that one and i have one that they gave me from ninja warrior and then actually i have one from noob sanity also um but that's it so I even have, I have, I think for three years worth of every course map I've ever done. I laminated all the course maps. That's effort. That's a lot of effort. And I, uh, I was going to make it like a whole wall in my gym was all the course maps. <laughs> Cause like that was cooler to me than the other stuff, but maybe one day I'll put some stuff up, but I don't know. It's always more about like, what's the next big thing I can do. Like when you hit, when you hit a certain comfort level like and you can run a spartan ultra like no problem like what's next what's mm -hmm. next you know yeah. and like i always i like trying different things so i like different types of races whether it's you know uh multi-day races or you know something that's going to be like they have a race over here it's running it's also stand up paddleboard 
So it's both. You have to like stand up paddleboard like 10 miles. And then like, it's like a 15 mile run on the beach. <laughs> oh, interesting. Where's that at? Uh, it's, they do it right down Carmen's River, like right by my new house. So I bought a house. I'm in Belcourt Village. I'm right next to the country club. I'm like a block from the water. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's nice over here. Uh, and there's like a huge uh, state park that I could run in. But there's a 10-mile like inlet that goes out to uh, the bay and then the ocean. And you could paddleboard right down it. It's nice. Good stuff. What about... Um, yeah, you mentioned always kind of pushing boundaries and you know looking for new challenges. Is there anything... Uh, that's kind of like still on your bucket list that's kind of front and center like all right well in the next year or two i want to do x y or z it could be ocr it could be outside of ocr um it could be either endurance sports or other challenges uh well i want to i want to go to base camp of everest of actual everest okay so that's like on my bucket list another one on my bucket list it was actually before spartan bought it was la Ruta, which is that running and mountain bike race that ah, goes Oh yeah, it's like an epic multi-day race. But um, now Spartan, I don't know how. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's going to be similar to what it was, or if it's going to be you know something different. Um, I would, I'm sure. I would guess they keep the if if it was successful before. I would guess they keep the formula the same, right? Because you look at Tough Mudder and Spartan bought Tough Mudder, and it is there's almost no trace of Spartan in there um, besides like, Hey, we put the merchandise tent at the entrance and exit, which is like a good business move. I think that's cheap. like it's basic business move. Um, if you yeah, go no, to any, any theme park, you know, like you have to exit yeah. through the gift shop. I think it'll be largely the same though. Yeah. But that's like, that's what they, they call it the world's toughest bike race for people who don't know what it is. Mm. It's like a 135 miles um but it's not just a bike race like you have to rock scramble and carry your bike or mountains and then ride down the mountains but it, it runs the whole course of what the conquistadors did <laughs> oh wow but uh yeah it goes from the pacific to the atlantic <laughs> good stuff good stuff and we're going a little backwards but tell us tell us a little bit about you know were you always an athlete growing up, like through high school and, uh, you know, after high school or were you, um, this kind of um, something you found later in life? No, I was always athletic. I played lots of sports as a kid. I mean, obviously I played, uh, soccer, I did football, a little bit of everything. I played lacrosse year round. Lacrosse was really my sport. I played every season lacrosse. So I did indoor and outdoor all the way through high school. Um, I was going to do it in college, but that's when I lost my dad and I kind of just stopped doing everything. And then I fell off big time. So like from Cal after that, like all the way through college, like I was not in any kind of athletic shape whatsoever. And then like when I started my first Spartan race, it was because my, my girlfriend now, her brother had just come home from doing uh, a few tours in Iraq. He was paratrooper and he's like, Oh, I'm going to do a Spartan race. You want to come? And it was like the night before I'm like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Meanwhile, I was just on like a four-day bender, like drinking my face <laughs> off. Like I was probably 215 pounds, haven't run a mile in like four years. <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, that Spartan sprint and tuxedo, that first one I did, took me like three hours to do. It That's was so funny. It was a wake-up call, but I absolutely loved it. I did. And that was like, I oh, man, I got to change my lifestyle around a little bit. And I did, so. 
I feel like that story has played out so many times in so many people's lives uh, when I talk to them. And what I always wonder is, you know, like when I'm, especially when I'm at like a Tough Mudder multi-lapping and I run past the dude who's just like out there dying, I'm like, I wonder if this dude is one of the dudes who's going to be like coming back, you know, in five years, consist, you know, consistently for the next five years. And it goes from like, you know, overweight to in great shape. Um, or if it's just like a yeah. one-time thing, you know? So it's, it's always kind of funny that uh, you kind of wondering who else is on the course with you of future, future mutters or future Spartans and stuff, stuff like that. So, yeah, no, I, that was me. 100%. I had a calf <laughs> cramp going underneath that barbed wire crawl that was like forever long in tuxedo over those rocks. And like, I did, I was like, I got to finish this race. It took me like three, it took me three hours, over three hours to finish the sprint. It was, <laughs> but like I said, I loved it. And I came back a couple times, you know, every year I was chipping away at my times. And then like, I got real serious and started working out like hardcore and became my more of an athlete again. But I think in my gene, it was easier for me to get back into it because my genes, my family's very athletic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. My sister's a dual sport athlete in college right now. She was all region and softball. She was like one of the best players like on the whole East Coast. Nice. Nice. Yeah. My great grandfather was, uh, he's in the football hall of fame. He played football at Vince Lombardi. He was in the seven blocks of granite. Did play really? for the Giants. Like, yeah, yeah. So like my ath- athletics is in my genes. <laughs> That's wild. That's wild. Yeah. Good stuff. Tell us a little bit about uh, Fit Challenge. I know they're they're coming up with their final event next year. Uh, are you going to make it out to implore, it? I implore everyone to go to the Fit Challenge. I will definitely 100% be there. Um, Rob really loves the sport. He cares about it a lot. Um, but the, the numbers have just gone down so much, especially with after COVID. And like, I think I went to his last race before they stopped for a year. And then I went to the one afterwards. Um, but that mountain, that diamond Hill park is uh, no joke. It's a thousand feet elevation gain. It's like a 5k loop. Uh, and the obstacles are inventive. They're very, uh, unique, I guess, really to his race. Yeah, I think I need to. I need to make sure my schedule is clear that weekend. I've, I've been trying to make it up the last couple of years. I'm always like, oh, I got this race going on at the same time, or like I got something local. So I've been, I've been pushing it off. So I guess it's, it's either now or never at this point. Yeah, yeah, it is now or never. You don't have yeah, a choice. Literally, to literally. you can hop in the car with me. We'll drive up. Like, <laughs> I know so, your parents are still here. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, my parents are still on Long Island, so uh, I come back every once in a while. Yeah good stuff but yeah no that diamond hill park is a epic course that course has a little bit of everything some of the terrain is very technical there's real steep inclines real steep declines um it's like a mini death march if you've ever gone to like killington like for spartan mm-hmm. but the elevation the actual elevation on the side of the mountain is very similar give us a couple of details on some of your favorite obstacles that he usually has out there uh destroyer destroyer 2.0 it's like a uh an angled wall and then a straight wall with some rock climbing holds you gotta hop over and then when you get to the other side it's um it tests your tests your balance he's got like tires cut in half like over metal poles and like some of the move and stuff so then you have to run across the tires that one's really good he's got some uh he's got like this one giant multi-rig so he has like different lanes for different levels of uh beginner if you're running pro or you're running the ultra though they have a lane like just for that and that like obviously is going to involve the gibbons 
from OCRWC, if anyone's ever done it there. Um, then he's got like a lane that's just like more ninja. It's like multi-rig, like a Spartan. Then he's got one just monkey bars. He's got various different types of like over-under obstacles, which are pretty inventive, like the uh, Irish tables and stuff. You would see like that throughout the woods. Um, his sandbag carry is unique sometimes. Sometimes you got to like throw it through holes, hop over walls, drag it underneath barbed wire with you. Uh, yeah, I mean, the terrain itself is beautiful. I mean, it's upstate Rhode Island and it's on an old ski mountain. Like, I don't know, it's fun. Yeah, love it, love it. All right, so we're going to start wrapping it up here and let uh, Cody here enjoy his Memorial Day. So uh, before we let him go, though, uh, tell us one thing people would be surprised to know about you. Surprised to know about me. Uh, actually, it's something that you've already touched on, I believe, okay. maybe once or twice. Um, I, from junior high to high school, I did all the musicals. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I had no idea. Yep, no one would really ever know unless you actually <laughs> went to high school with me. Um, yeah, every single one. We did a, uh, like a fall play and a spring musical. I was in every single one. Amazing. That's not, yep. that's, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't think I've met anyone as an adult um, that had the same kind of background as me there. So give me, give me some of the productions you were in. <laughs> oh, man. Gypsy, Once on This Island, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Greece, West Side Story, um, Once on This Island. Uh, I don't know, so many. <laughs> I can't even remember. Um, I can't even remember. Like, if you have me list out all, oh, I was in 11. I missed this one that was in fall of my, when I was in seventh grade. Uh, mm-hmm. But I was, in, I was in 11 other ones. And I, can, I, I don't think I can name them all. I have to sit I down. I don't think like, I really can name them all. I said that. I think a chorus line I was in also. So, and, um, my next question is, do you still have nightmares about not knowing your lines? And like, like I, I still occasionally have a dream where I, I show up to a, a, a musical or play and I, I have not studied any of my lines. No, I really? don't have a nightmare about that at all. Because actually it happened to me on stage and I just didn't care. Like, I, don't, <laughs> I made up my own words. Like, I don't know. <laughs> and I remember the, uh, the director is in the orchestra pit and she just looks so pissed at me. Yeah, show's, show's got to go on, though, you know. That's, the show went on. We got past it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Um, yeah. And it was for, I believe, similar reasons that you said. The guy-to-girl ratio was way better in mm-hmm. musicals. Like, because I said, I played lacrosse also. Um, and then, like, the few other guys, it was, like, me and my best friend. And then, like, a few of the other guys, and they were not into girls <laughs> as much as we were. So... <laughs> It was like shooting fish in a barrel. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. But one of my best friends, uh, we, who we had on the podcast before Anthony, my alley, he was in, uh, starting in like ninth grade, he was in all the plays and musicals also. So, um, he's now a senior editor for John Oliver for last week night. So, Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. He's got two Emmys, which is insane. Um, that is. and it, like, it's not like, Oh, last week tonight, you know, Emmy, it's like, it says Anthony Maiali on there and he's there. They sit in his apartment and every time, every time we go over, we're at like, we're always taking pictures when he's in the other room, like holding them up. (laughs) That's great. But yeah, no, I did that. And, uh, I loved it. I mean, I still love it. I still love going to like Broadway and stuff like that. I love going to the opera, but it's just not something I do really anymore, which is a shame because I have a great local theater, like around the corner from my house. 
Yeah, when, when you're from Long Island, you know, going to Broadway is like a it's a it's a it's a, it's like a normal thing. I I you know we so go there on school field trips. Like yeah, I was in Chamber Choir, we would go there all the time. Like yeah. <laughs> So we, so we went once a year through high school, again, on a field trip, sometimes twice, because sometimes like the chorus would go and then also the musical department would go. Um, yep. So sometimes I, I, did, I did two a year. Sometimes the band would go, sometimes more. And then my family would go, you know, uh, typically around Christmas or something. We'd um, get Yeah, that's, always, cheap, that's cheap. always the case. That's like a staple for anybody from Long Island. <laughs> yeah, get some cheap tickets and uh, go, go hit up something, something new. So Yeah, walk around, see everything around Christmas time. Yeah, Rockefeller Center and all that big tree, yep. all that good stuff. Yeah, good stuff. And so I probably should have started with it. Describe what you look like now, right? Because you're you're athletic and uh, you have tattoos basically all over you, right? Yeah. Well, I don't look really much different unless I had a part that required for it. But I pretty much had a beard even in high school. Okay. Yeah, I even had like a goatee or a beard, um, but I was still in pretty good shape in high school. It was the it was the college years that did me in. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> well, you bounced uh, yeah, back. More, way more tattoos, but I'm still pretty much the same. If you'd see a picture of me then, a picture of me now, I look very similar. Gotcha. All right. Cool. Uh, where can people follow you or, or find you? Social media? Uh, Facebook, if you just look up my full name, Cody James Milne, or uh, Instagram, I'm on there as Crusader Cody. Uh, um, you could message me anytime. I'm very friendly. I'll answer you back. Yeah, and you're a lot. You're a lot of the uh, Northeast races, so. I'm, yeah, pretty much all the Northeast races. I travel I like, when I can, but it's hard with work and stuff. So. Yeah, I feel like I bump into you randomly, very frequently. Like I usually don't know you're going to be there in advance, but then like every time I go to the Northeast, like oh, hey, you and Kevin, good to see you guys. Yeah, no, it's it's a strong chance if it's a race in the Northeast, I'm going to be there. <laughs> Doesn't matter what kind of race it is, I'll just yeah. be there. Good stuff. All right. Um, we're going to let you go. Uh, anyone listening, again, head over and check out the details for OCR Everest. going to drop those in the uh, show notes below. Again, this is Memorial Day. So uh, I just posted one of my uh, – uh, Jenna, who's been on the podcast before, is the gold star spouse of my college roommate, uh, Jonathan Graspo, who died in Iraq April 2007. Uh, I just shared her post on my Facebook page. I thought she kind of encapsulated Memorial Day really well. Um, basically – kind of the summary is, you know, remember the people that died, but at the same time, like have a good time. Like if, if my friends that were dead were still alive, they'd be partying. Like that's what, that's what the point of Memorial Day is, right? Like you remember, but you also um, honor them by living your life to the fullest you can. So uh, you can head over and read that post. I thought she kind of encapsulated it really well, but it was private. So I just kind of cut and pasted her text and shared it to my page. And then other than that, we've got uh, books for sale, uh, Ultra OCR Man, on uh, audio, digital, and hard copy. The n- new and on endurance book is up on Strength and Speed, and it's uh, hard copy, and it's also available on uh, Amazon Digital. So that one's only about 100 pages, so it's a quick read, uh, but it's good. Condensed a lot of down information down into like a single source there to kind of encapsulate some valuable lessons learned on endurance. And it works for any endurance sport, not just uh, obstacle course racing. So if you have a friend or family member that's into any endurance sport, or looking to get into endurance sports, pick that up for them. Uh, and then you can also kind of, there's a lot of, obviously because I use obstacle course racers as examples a lot, um, usually with other backgrounds, there's a lot of OCR kind of snuck into that book. So it's a good, good gateway drug there to get people into OCR um, and kind of learn, teach them a little bit more about the sport. And then other than that, I uh, got, got articles on OCR Buddy, 
I just did a race this past weekend called the Filthy Monkey. It was a very short local race in Junction City, Kansas. Got a review on that coming out on OCR Buddy soon. Um, I got uh, articles on the OCR Report, uh, who was out at Toughest Mudder taking pictures. Um, Carlo was out there, and uh, Jack Gorris always does an amazing job about taking pictures. So go ahead and check them out. And like I said earlier, give Obstacle Running Adventures a quick listen. Um, Michael from Noob Sanity is on there, and uh, uh, Mike Stefano does a great job as always. All right, Cody, uh, any final shout-outs we need to give before we let you go? No, just if you're in the area, drop by Obstacle Athletics. It's worth your time. Uh, that's really about it. Any other questions, hit me up on any of the social media. Like I said, I'm very friendly. If you see me on a course, feel free to say hi. Awesome. We'll catch you later. Uh, have a good day. You too, man. Mm-hmm.